Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the King's House Podcast. We are a non-denominational church located in McAuster, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not just something you go to, but it's a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until family is there, then that house becomes a home. So today, we want to say welcome home as we jump into today's service. King's House. How we doing today? Anybody excited to be in church this morning? Look at your neighbor and say, you're the best looking thing I've seen all day. Man, I'm so happy to have you guys here. Always so honored and just blessed and just feel so privileged to get to stand before you. Uh, I, I can notice that many of you were like me today. You weren't paying any attention at all whatsoever to the announcements. So let me just run through them one more time, right? Very important, this Friday, guys, at the S. Arch Thompson Building, at seven o'clock is our Good Friday service, where five or six, seven, I don't know how many is gonna show up, five or six for sure, different churches are gonna come together. Man, we're gonna worship together, we're gonna pray together, we're gonna have communion together. I'm under the belief that Big, incredible things are gonna happen in this community when the body of Christ comes together. Do you believe that, King's House? So I know you're all so important and you're all so busy and your schedules are wild, but put it on your schedule this Friday, seven o'clock. Please don't miss it. It's gonna be an amazing time. And a week from today, it's just crazy. Time is flying by, but a week from today is Easter Sunday. Oh my gosh. So if you've been praying about, man, wouldn't it be a good time to invite so-and-so to church? You've been praying for this person. Next Sunday is, is the perfect opportunity. Bring a friend to church. If you have a dart out there on the board with somebody's name on it, next Sunday, Easter, we're gonna pack this place out. Uh, the preacher next Sunday is gonna be phenomenal. He's gonna preach an amazing, life-changing sermon. It's me. <laughs> it's gonna be great. So invite a friend next Sunday to Easter Sunday. It's gonna be great. And before we dive in today, can you guys give it up for our praise team this morning? Gosh, man. So wonderful. Just absolutely amazing. So talented, so gifted. You guys must have had a wonderful teacher the last three or four, five, six years. Again, it's me, if you were wondering. <laughs> oh, today we're wrapping up part five of this series that's called I Can't Help Falling in Love. And I've just given you four different reasons, today's gonna be the fifth, of reasons why I just can't help but fall in love with Jesus, of reasons why I just, I, I serve this guy, I follow this guy through the thick and the thin and the mountains and all the valleys. I, I've, I've given you some of the reasons of, 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 of why I just, and I love him, and I hope that you can walk away from this series and say like, man, yeah, Mark, I, I think I fell a little more in love with Jesus through these series. I think I'm, I'm ready to trust him a little bit more, to give him a little bit more of my heart, to follow him in a whole different way. That's my prayer and that's my, my, my desire for you today. But uh, I wanna start with a story about, I was 10 or 11 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood, 12 something, I don't know. I don't wanna lie, but I'm a preacher, so I, I do that a lot. Teasing, goodness, guys. This, uh, my pastor was at my house. Uh, I had been fishing with my dad and my pastor and just having a good evening. And uh, all of a sudden these storm clouds start rolling in and it's looking pretty ominous. Like this is, it's getting kind of serious. So we quit fishing and we go back to the house and we're just having dinner and we're watching television, having a great time. All of a sudden on the screen, like beep, beep, 
warning, tornado warning, four miles east of Seminole. That's where I grew up, four miles east of Seminole. And I'm, we all just kind of looked at each other like, gum, that's, that's us. And we walked to the back porch just in time to see this massive wall cloud and a tornado was actively forming and coming to the ground. It was such a surreal, bizarre moment. This whistle, this tornado comes, and it touches down in, the, in, in my parents' pasture, just, I mean, half a mile away, and just made this train sound like there is a tornado coming at us. Again, just a bizarre experience, but we are scrambling. We're trying to get to the, to the shelter. Uh, it's coming at us like we are watching a tornado come at our house. So not a lot of time, not a lot of, not a lot of time to spare. The only problem was is that I, I'm a dog guy. You know that. I talked about this. Some, they're some of my best friends on planet Earth. I don't have a lot of friends. I, I need dogs in my life. My dog is like, he's running around the yard. He's terrified. He's freaking out. I'm trying to get my dog in that cellar, right? But my mom is dragging me to the cellar. Like, Mark, you got to get in this. But I, I'm panicking because I can't get my dog. Yellow Lab, his name was Clancy. I mean, just a sweetheart of a dog. And I just, so long story short, my mom forces me down in the cellar and my dog is not in the cellar. I mean, this dude was praying up a storm for that poor little dog. Pastor Danny's in the cellar. He's got all this faith. He's speaking to the storm and he's praying and the, the storm keeps coming. It's not working. I appreciate the effort, but like it's not working. And well, the tornado gets right on top of us and you can hear, uh, I mean, the house is getting torn apart. The, the garage, the barns, I mean, it's so chaotic. Down in that cellar, I never thought about this before, but the suction created this crazy pressure. Uh, it felt like my head was gonna pop. I mean, like you, you swam too far down in the swimming pool, just that pressure. It's a lot going on. Again, I'm just, I'm not really worried about, like do my parents have insurance or are we gonna have a place? To, I'm not worried about though. I'm worried about my dog. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what a 10 year old's worried about, his dog. And the, the uh, cellar door didn't have a latch. So my dad's holding on to the door, uh, my pastor's holding on to the door. Well, it starts to literally lift the door off the ground. I mean, it's just like the movie Twister. I mean, their feet are like this far off the ground. Again, I'm, I'm worried about my dad, but I'm pretty worried about my dog, okay? <laughs> Luckily, the, the, the storm passes. I'll never forget as we came out of that cellar. I mean, just complete and total devastation. Uh, the garage is gone, the roof is ripped off the house, the barns are gone. So much suction, uh, we had a little pond by the house that the, the water level in the pond had gone down three or four feet. And there's fish flopping all over the pasture, like it sucked water out of the pond, incredible. And I'm just, I, I'm positive. I mean, it was just sucking the door off the ground with two grown guys hanging onto it. The dog's gone, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm heartbroken, but I walk out of the cellar and sitting right next to the cellar door is my little yellow lab. Now his eyes are about this big around. <laughs> I mean, like, what the what just happened, Mark? Why wasn't I in there with you? <laughs> but I learned just an incredibly life-changing, valuable lesson that day. Okay, it, 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 you might say, well, Mark, that's just a bizarre coincidence. It's just one of those few fluke things that tore. Maybe it was, maybe it was. I'm not, I'm not saying here today and standing here today saying this was a miracle of God. But what I do know is that there was a little boy in that cellar who was praying, praying, praying for that dog. And when I walked out of that cellar and saw that dog, again, 
a light switch came on in my heart and my mind, and it has really stuck with me ever since. It's the fifth reason I'm gonna give you today of why I just can't help but fall in love with Jesus. I learned that day that Jesus cares about me. I mean, he cares. Well, Mark, don't you, you knew that already. You, you've heard that your whole life. I had, and I knew it right here. Like, Jesus loves me, and he died for me, of course. But I, I think in my mind, and I might be looking at it wrong, but to me, there's something different between saying, like, I love you and I care about you. Like, to me, that's two very different things. I love my family. Love my wife. And I think there's certain duties and obligations that go along with that. As a husband, I mean, like, that's what I signed up for. I'm going to provide for them. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to do my best to lead them. But to me, that, that's duty. That's responsibility. That's, that's what you signed up for. You can do those things and not really care. You know what I mean? But not only do I provide and protect, but this dude goes home and he cooks dinner. Come on, fellas. I'm doing dishes, I'm cleaning the house, I'm helping out. I mean, I, I spend an extreme amount of time with my family. I love telling these big, long, elaborate lies that lead to like some kind of surprise for Erica, some kind of surprise trip. I don't do those things out of duty or obligation or because somebody makes me. I provide and I protect. I do all those other things because I care. And sometimes I think like, the biggest things are communicated in the smallest ways. Yes, we can sit here and say, yeah, God loves, Jesus loves me, he died for me. No, Jesus loves me so much that he watched out for my dog. He, he is intimately involved in those small, it's so different. I've, I, I know a lot of people in the world, all over the world. I've met tons of people, and, and, um, but a few years ago, I got to go elk hunting with Josh Landry. He's not even here today, so I can say anything I want about Josh Landry. I hope you're watching, Josh. He asked me to go elk hunting with him a few years ago. So we, we spent several days in the mountains and man, we hiked and we slept in tents and it was just this amazing adventure and I just loved every second of it, except one night in the middle of the night, we woke up and outside of our tent, we heard this, oh, there's a freaking bear outside. I mean, I don't have a gun, my bow's hanging outside, like there is a bear outside. And I learned some valuable lessons that night with Josh. Number one, I learned that his cuddle game is on point. I mean, it is. His arms are so strong, I felt so safe. Josh learned about me that night. Pastor Mark prefers to be the small spoon when given the opportunity. Just whisper in my ear and tell me it's gonna be okay. True story. True story. Josh hugged me while we thought we were being attacked by a bear. It was not a bear, everything was fine. We've spent time together, we've laughed together, we've cried together, we have shared hopes and dreams and talked about our family's future and it's just, it's different because when somebody cares, it's personal, it's intimate, it's just, it's different. Now, I, I go all over town all the time. Oh, Pastor Mark, hey man, hey, good to see you, love you, man. Like, that's awesome and I appreciate that. Please, please don't stop doing that. Tell me you love me every time you see me. I just can't get enough of it. But it's different when, when somebody that I've just met a few times at church says, hey, Pastor Mark, I love you, man. I'll see you Sunday. And when Josh says, man, Pastor Mark, I love you, man. It's just, I know this guy cares, right? He knows my favorite coffee. He puts it on my desk before I come out and preach. I mean, he cares. And I, I, I'm just trying to illustrate to you, I think this is where a lot of Christians find themselves. They know here, Jesus loves me, he died for me. 
They know that here. And that's wonderful. I mean, that's incredible. That, that revelation is huge. But the reality is, is that he also died for like billions and billions and billions and billions of people. So sometimes it's one thing to know that like, yeah, God loves me and he cares about me here, but does God really care about me? Me, intimately, me, personally, does he know me on that kind of level? And that's why I think uh, we find, many Christians find themselves in this place, I'm gonna put it on the screen for you, it's frustrated me my whole life. Like, to me, there's only one speed in life. If I'm gonna do it, I am full speed ahead. If I'm gonna serve Jesus, I'm gonna serve Jesus. There's only one way to serve him, in my opinion, passionately, wholeheartedly. So I've wrestled with these questions for years, like why aren't more people taking steps of faith for God? Why aren't more people getting out of the boat and going for it? I came to the realization one day, more people aren't taking steps of faith because they really don't trust him. You're not gonna get out of the boat in a storm if you don't trust the guy that's out there in the water, right? I mean, there are certain people I would jump off this stage and say like, yeah, they're gonna catch me. Josh Timmons is not one of those dudes, okay? <laughs> like you won't take a leap of faith if you don't trust somebody. And the reason we don't trust Jesus is because down deep, really in our heart of hearts, we really don't believe that he cares about us. You wanna hear some good news this morning, King's House? Not only does Jesus love you, but he cares about every detail of your life and he is so intimately involved in every aspect of your life. It's good news this morning, Jesus cares about us. He cares about us. I'll take just a few minutes, I wanna walk you through a progression in a woman's life that I think does an incredible job of illustrating this revelation that brought her to a point of taking a massive step of faith, but it all hinged on the reality that yes, Jesus cares about me. Are you ready? That's where you say, yeah, Mark, we're ready. Woo, greatest church ever. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Here's a woman named Mary. And it says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. I mean, it's Jesus at your house. It's kind of a big deal. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? I mean, I, I like how she poised it as a, a question. Like, Jesus, I'm not accusing anybody, but doesn't it seem strange to you that Mary's doing nothing while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is one thing. Look at your neighbor and say one thing. There is one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. I believe that it's in these moments, not only in Mary's life, but in our lives, where Mary really started to discover something. There's just something different about this man named Jesus. Just something different. It's also really important to point out the fact that many scholars believe that it's this Mary that Pastor Chris preached about a few weeks ago who was caught in the act of adultery. Many people believe it's this Mary. I can show you in scripture where it refers to her as a sinful woman, which leads us to the conclusion that she was probably at some point in her life a prostitute. 
So it just changes the whole dynamic because the first time I met this man named Jesus, everyone was saying, hey, well, let's throw stones at this lady. Hey, law says she needs to be. And Jesus got down on his knees, wrote something in the dirt. We don't know. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty. I know that. But showed her love and showed her compassion. And then here she is sitting at Jesus' feet, just spending time with him. Think about the complexities of that, somebody that used to be a prostitute. This guy, there's something different about him. He doesn't want anything from me. There's no strings attached. All he wants to do is just spend time with, he just wants to get to know me. Imagine Mary's heart just coming to life and working through some of that pain and confusion, but something about this guy named Jesus, it seems like he might just care about me. Just, maybe just revolutionary concept for a woman like this. Mary had a, a, a brother named Lazarus. Jesus was dear friends with Lazarus. And uh, Jesus is off ministering and, and doing what Jesus did. Lazarus became deathly, deathly ill. They sent word to Jesus like, Jesus, we need you back here ASAP. Lazarus is sick, he's about to die. So Jesus does what any really great friend would do. He just hung out for a few more days and did nothing. Hey, yeah, sorry about that, Lazarus. But he does. I mean, the Bible says two more days. He just he continues where he's at. By the time he gets back to Bethany, Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. The Bible says that he stinketh. He's been dead a while, folks. He's dead, dead, dead. Mary's obviously upset. Her brother just passed away. She called on Jesus, who didn't come, who didn't fulfill her expectation. But here Jesus comes walking back into town. And John 11, verse 32 says this. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, I think it's one of the most profound verses in all of scripture. Maybe no other verse, in my opinion, better illustrates God's care and concern for us. Jesus wept. Now, that, that's, it's one thing to say, yeah, Jesus wept. It's a whole other thing to really understand the context of why Jesus was weeping. Because the reality is, is that Jesus knew. Hey, in like 30 seconds, I'm about to raise this dude from the dead. He knew that six days ago. That's why he was in no hurry to get back to Bethany. He knew Lazarus is gonna be raised from the dead. Listen, Mary, there's nothing to be sad about. And I think even some of us would, if we were Jesus, we'd be frustrated with the situation. Like, dadgummit, Mary, where's your faith? How long, how, what am I gonna have to do for you to really trust me? But you don't see any of that anger. You don't see any of that frustration. It's, it's really a beautiful picture. Jesus knew Lazarus is about to be raised from the dead. Jesus knew it's gonna be a miracle. Jesus knew there was absolutely nothing to cry about. And yet in that moment, when he stood before Mary, who was brokenhearted, who was weeping, he cared so much about Mary, knowing that he's about to do what he's about to do, but still cared so much that just seeing her brokenhearted, seeing and feeling her pain moved Jesus to tears. Friends, that is care. 
That's care. That's, that's Jesus being present with you in every single moment. That's him being intimately involved and engaged in your lives, even though he knows the outcome. Every day of your life was written in his book before you lived. He knows the end of the story. But he's still not afraid to walk through, walk through it with you moment by moment by moment. He goes to the tomb. He raises Lazarus. He walks out. And I would just have to assume that it's somewhere along this time frame, Mary's had experience with Jesus. Maybe it was her that was caught in adultery, shown love and compassion, and then spent time with him, just sitting at his feet, getting to know him, believing there's something different about this guy. I really think he might care about me. But of course, coming out of that lifestyle, you're gonna have some reservations. You're gonna have some hesitations, of course. But I believe in a moment like this, it's like, holy cow. Not only does Jesus love me, he cares about me. I, I, this is why I just can't help but fall in love with Jesus. He cares about me. And obviously this event had a dramatic effect on Mary's life. Because in the very next chapter, John chapter 12, Jesus is at a Pharisee's house. The Bible said he was uh, reclining at the table and in walks Mary. She goes to the feet of Jesus. The word says that she wept on his feet. She wet his feet with her tears and began to dry them with her hair. All the Pharisees, all the religious people do what they do best. They judge, they criticize, they look down at somebody. Religious people still do those same things today, make it so impossible for broken people to get to the only answer whose name's Jesus, right? Mary doesn't care. People are judging her, criticizing her. They said, if Jesus really was a man of God, a prophet, then he would know who and what type of woman this was. If Jesus really was who he says he is, man, he wouldn't let them hands be all, we don't know where them hands have been. Mary doesn't care. She just loves Jesus. Finally, somebody who cares about me. Finally, somebody who, who loves me in more than just words, but in action. Finally, Mary brings out something very, very, very expensive. It's called an alabaster jar, alabaster box. This was said to be worth a year's wages, full of perfume, right? I think it's important to ask ourselves a few questions at this point in the story. How did a prostitute make money, raise enough funds to buy an alabaster jar that was worth a year's wages? I think it's very, very valuable, but I think it was even more valuable than just the contents of the perfume. I think it represented something so much bigger that applies to each and every one of us today. I think there was a whole lot of guilt in that jar. I think there was a whole lot of remorse, a whole lot of shame, a whole lot of sin, a whole lot of wish I could do overs. I think there was so much of that in the jar that day. And that day and time, a woman had to have what's called a dowry to get married. Something very expensive that you're gonna take into your wedding. Happens all over the world still today. A bride has to have a certain amount of money or something so valuable before a bridegroom will take her. This would have been that for her. So not only was it her past, all the sin and all the guilt and all the shame and all the remorse. It wasn't just that, it was her hope of her future friends. If my life's ever gonna change, if I'm ever gonna be married, I have to have this. It's so valuable, so much more than just perfume. 
But Mary had experienced a love and a care like she had never experienced before. So she does something so amazing. She doesn't just take the lid off and just pour a little bit on Jesus' feet. Oh, 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 I gotta save some for later. No, she had come to the conclusion, I can trust this man named Jesus. Something different about him. Never met anyone like him. This man named Jesus cares about me. So she doesn't just take the lid off and pour a little bit. The Bible says that at the feet of Jesus, she takes all that sin and all that guilt and all that hope for the future and she breaks it on the feet of Jesus. No reserves. No plan B, no bridge that I can ever get back on. Jesus, everything that I have, I'm giving it to you this morning, which is what he wants for each and every person in this room today. He wants to bring you to the place where you can trust him, where you can say, God, all of my hurt and my pain in my past, all the hope of my future and my dream, Jesus, I'm giving it all to you. I trust you because I know you care about me, Jesus and the life you have planned for me is so much better than the life I could ever plan for myself. And every person in this room today has a jar. I don't know what's in your jar. I haven't walked in your shoes before, but I know there's some pain, probably some hurt, some guilt, some remorse. I know that every person in this room wants a a, a future full of hope and good things. I know that. Significance and value. I don't know what's brought you here to this place this morning. But I do know there's a man named Jesus who not only loves you enough to die on the cross, but who cares about you personally, individually, I've been following this guy for 22 years and I don't regret one single moment of it. The more I get to know him, the more I love him, the more I trust him, the more myself I want to give to him. He's given me so much more than I could have ever created for myself. You can trust this guy, he cares about you. Psalm 56 says it like this. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Friends, you know I've been open and honest. I am no stranger to heartache and tears, and I've battled depression, and I've battled hopelessness. Not every season of my life has been a mountaintop experience. And sometimes in those seasons, you have to ask, like, God, where are you? The things that you say are supposed to be happening aren't happening, and you feel so broken. Some of us have lost spouses. Some of us have lost children. Some of us have lost friends. Some of us have lost marriages and relationships, and you're going through all sorts of hurt and heartache and grief, laying in bed at night, feeling so alone crying yourself to sleep. God, where are you? He's there. He's with you. He catches every one of those tears in his bottle. He records each one in his book. And I think he does something spectacular with those tears. I showed you last week how he takes our stinky old mess full of cow poop and stuff. To us, it looks like a mess, but to a gardener, perfect place to grow something beautiful. I know in my life, I cried every day in my life for two years. Having a nervous, mental, emotional breakdown for two years. 
There were days I told Erica, like, it's time for you to take me somewhere and just leave me for, I gotta get some help, babe. But the Holy Spirit so gently would just say, Mark, keep crying. These tears are watering your soul. They're healing something that's broken inside of you. Just, just trust the process, man. Just, just keep crying. I, I believe God kept every one of those tears. And I believe he came to the mess of my life where he had planted something beautiful. And he watered that ground with those tears that he collects. That's what Jesus does. He has an amazing way of taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it into something so good, man. Bad things happen in life, but when you give God control of it, he can work something good and something beautiful out of each and every situation. He's with you in those darkest, loneliest times. He cares about you. Psalms 139 says it like this. It's, it's spectacular, the love and care he has. Every single moment, you're thinking about me. Get yourself right here in the chest this morning and say, it's talking about me. We read these things sometimes and we don't personalize it. Every single moment, you're thinking about me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in every thought. God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every seashore. Friends, I want you to know today that the same man that holds the whole world in his hands is the exact same man that knows every single hair that's on your head today. That's the same guy. The same guy that spoke galaxies into creation is the same guy who knows your name. He knows your name. The scripture said, if his eye is on the sparrow, then friends, I gotta know and I gotta trust that he watches after I gotta tell you this morning, there is a God in heaven who not only loves you more than you could ever imagine, but he cares for you in a deeper, more real, more intimate, more personal way than you could ever even begin to wrap your mind around. The creator of the universe knows your name and he cares about you today, friend. So whatever is in your jar and whatever's going on in your life today, whatever pain and whatever hurt and whatever heartache, Whatever unsurety you have about the future, the future can be so unsure. Whatever it is that you carry today, I don't have all the answers. I don't even have the majority of them. But I do know a guy that you can trust who has proven to me over and over and over and over that he doesn't just love me in word. He cares about Mark Hennon. He cares about me. Not Mark Hinnon on stage every Sunday morning. Not that guy. Mark Hinnon when he fails. Mark Hinnon when he feels lost. Mark Hinnon when he feels hopeless. Mark Hinnon when he feels depressed. Mark Hinnon when he feels like the weight of the world is crushing him. Mark Hinnon when he doesn't have any answers but everybody thinks he's supposed to have all. That Mark Hinnon. The frail, fragile, pitiful little human being that is Mark. Not the larger than life version. The Walmart version people. The one that's very disappointing to meet in person. He cares about me. And if I never stand behind here again, and if I never preach another sermon, and if I never sit at that piano again, if I never sing another song, if I never get on another airplane, and I, he still cares about me. And that's why I trust him. 
and that's why I follow him. And that's why I just can't help but fall more and more in love with this man named Jesus. Lord, I love you so much. Man, I'm so thankful today, God, that you were faithful to the process that has been my life. Oh my gosh, you never gave up on me. You kept believing and encouraging and praying and putting people in my life. Jesus, you orchestrated it. I'm so thankful. And God, I know in the future there's gonna be more tests and more trials and more hardships, but the same guy who was with me then is gonna be the same guy who's with me today and the same guy who's with me tomorrow because you care about me. Friends, let me just ask you a question today. Life is real and life happens. We say it all the time here. It's one of the things I'm most proud of about the King's House. But this is a place where you don't have to pretend like everything's fine when it's not. I hate that. I hate it. We're real. We're genuine. We're authentic. It's okay to not be okay, friends. That's life. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Mark, I'm just not okay. Man, I'm just going through some stuff. And I just want you to pray for me this morning. If that's you, just lift your hand up this morning. Let me just know who I need to be praying for today. Thank you so much. I see those hands. Let me just pray for you right now. Holy Spirit, you know every need that's in this room. You know us better than we know ourselves. We don't know what we need sometimes, but you always have the answer, Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that you are so near to the brokenhearted, that you're near to the broken. God, I thank you that you care about us so much. We can cast our cares on you because you care about us. Some of us are carrying some things this morning, Lord, that are too heavy for us. God, help us to trust you. Help us to hand those things over to somebody who's far more qualified to deal with them than we are, Jesus. Every need, every hurt, every heart, every regret, every remorse, whatever's in this room this morning, Father, I thank you. There's nothing so broken that you can't put back together. There's nothing that your love can't heal and restore. Every hand that went up this morning, Father, do a deep work in their heart and in their life. Prove to them as you have to me over and over and over again that you are someone that can be trusted because you care about us. Father, I thank you that you're gonna do miracles and healing and restoration in their hearts, that you're gonna catch every one of those tears. And just like you did in my life, you're gonna use it to water something so beautiful that you're growing in their life. And just like, just like David did at the end of his life, he looked back and he said, Lord, I am thankful for broken bones. God, it's not fun at the time, but we can look back and say, I don't wanna repeat those seasons, but I'm thankful for them because God taught me how good he was. He taught me about his love and his care. I'm thankful for broken bones. God, do that work in each and every one of our hearts. Father, bless these people. Make yourself more real to them this week than you ever have before. Open their ears and their heart to hear your voice, to know that you're with them, that you're working in them and through them, Jesus. God, I really can't help but fall in love with you. You've, you've made it too good to be true. I just, I can't help it. Father, let that reality come alive in each and every heart in this place this morning. God, we're going to be so careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody says, I love you so much, church. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, don't forget, Wednesday night, home group discipleship, Friday night, 7 o'clock, SRCH. Please be there, guys. It's going to be an amazing night. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are in need of prayer or wish to speak to one of our pastors, 
please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you'd like to give towards the ministry of The King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church slash giving, or by texting any dollar amount to the number 84321 and respond to the prompts sent back to you. If you're ever in our area and want to come visit us, we meet every week at 124 B. Hubert Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit with us ahead of time where you can reserve your seats and parking spots and even pre-check in your kids before you arrive on the Sunday of your choosing. Just fill up that quick form at thekingshouse.church slash plan your visit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all of our latest messages. We look forward to seeing you very soon.